welcome to Unnecessary Hanks, your local YA Tipsy Book Podcast. Woo-hoo. I feel like I'm posing in the camera just for myself, even though obviously no one on this <laughs> recording can see me. I did the same thing. I was like, oh. Listen, my hair I looks really good today, so I'm just vibing with today. it. It's got Everyone this, like, who's listening to this, all two of our two of our followers can uh, uh, know that I can see your hair and it looks good today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the bangs are really doing a nice flow. It's, it's working with the headphones. <laughs> Anyways, Julia, how are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? I'm doing well. Um, I am drinking a gin and tonic, um, visiting my mother, well, my parents, um, which is why I'm drinking a hard liquor rather than wine, because <laughs> I always rate their liquor cabinet. Um... What's up with me? I am really into tennis. <laughs> um, I played tennis two nights in a row, Thursday night and Friday night, and I felt it yesterday. I was like creaking. My bones hurt. I was, I'm so out of shape. Same. Um, but it's so fun because I'm in the adult intro program and it's just basically like older ladies not old ladies but older ladies like moms and stuff and uh me (laughs) it's great these are the people i need to be making friends with this sounds amazing you need to be in my intro class we should have done this why didn't we do this earlier (laughs) because i lived Um, in new york city where was i gonna go play tennis i know i mean i definitely if i had stayed in where i was i would i wouldn't have been playing tennis um but I'm glad that I took it up. Hopefully, I can continue it once I move for my last semester of grad school. Um, but otherwise, nothing has really happened. I have very boring life. Oh, it was so funny. Um, so Friday night was my second night of tennis, and I had sent an Instagram post or something uh, to one of my friends, and I was like. Um, I was worried because I didn't know if the tennis trainer, because it was a makeup class, I didn't know if he had meant 8.30 p.m. Friday or 8.30 a.m. I didn't think to check. I just assumed it was that night because, like, my usual lessons are at night. And so it's, like, 6 p.m. and I'm like, oh, my God, like, did he mean in the a.m.? Did I miss it? And so I texted him, but he didn't text me back. Um, And so I had sent this message, like, oh, my God, like, am I going to show up and no one's there? And my friend (laughs) messaged back, and it was from her boyfriend, and she goes, or he goes... (laughs) Um, why are you playing tennis on a Friday night? I was like, because I don't have a life. <laughs> what do yep. you mean? Why? <laughs> Checks out. Um, so that was great. That was a nice reminder that, yes, I really do play tennis with old ladies on a Friday night. That is my life now. <laughs> I mean, I, I play tennis when I can get my child out of bed and drag him <laughs> to the tennis court with me. Otherwise, I don't even have anyone to play with, so. There's... Bad. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is sad. This is so sad. Anyway, what are you drinking? I hope your week was a little more exciting. Um, my I'm drinking an, another Trader Joe's rose cider. I'm almost out of them. The six pack that I no. bought five months ago. <laughs> that might be a stretch, but the six pack that I bought like three months ago. It it's been a while since I went to Trader Joe's. Um. So yeah, drinking that. My week's been good, busy as always. Uh, my new project at work finally like kicked off. So 
We've had some like slight staffing things that have been hiccups that we have to deal with, but nothing major and we're, we're making really good progress. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Like my stakeholders have been great. I have really good relationships with everyone. Everyone's just been so pleasant and everything's well documented. So it's been just easy peasy so far. Um, I'm hoping it stays that way. <laughs> Yay. Um, and then let's see, I took one of Skyla's friends on Wednesday after school to play soccer, um, to try to teach Skyla how to play soccer. And I thought, I thought he was going to try to like teach her, you know, she'd be like flirty and cute and be like, no, this is how you trap the ball. And like, sh but I think he was, yeah. like, an awkward turtle around me, so, like, okay. I had to teach her how to do all the soccer things and, like, make her practice and stuff. And then he was, he stayed at our house for dinner. I told him that, like, they needed to study if he was going to stay on a weeknight, and he, like, felt weird about it, I guess. It was so weird. It was just, like, a whole <laughs> awkward, weird night for every party involved, and I think I, like, broke them up before they even started. Oh, no. Oh, no. But honestly, Tragic. if he's not willing to put in the work and get through one awkward night, he's not worth it. That is very true. That is a good point. Um, and then another one of her friends spent the night on Friday, so got to meet um, one of her friends and one of her friend's moms, which is nice, because the more moms I meet, the more people that, like, I can trust to drive her places, <laughs> which is great. Um, so that was nice. And then, yeah, we just had a pretty low-key day yesterday, did some cleaning, I did a lot of reading, and then did some more cleaning, and just, like, errands and stuff today, and then here we are, and then I have to start work back all over tomorrow. Though Skylar doesn't have school, because it's Columbus Day. Oh, that's lucky. I wish we didn't have work. Me too. She's, but I bought her some, um, wooden pumpkins, so she can, like, paint some Halloween decorations. Oh, cute. As, like, an activity fun. while she's home. So that's... <laughs> Keeping them entertained. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> while I work upstairs. It makes it easy. Um, so, yeah. It's, you know, nothing crazy. Nothing super interesting. Just trying to keep chugging along on the books that I'm reading. And I want to wrap up. Um, so, I'm reading The Burning God and Dance of Thieves right now. And I would like to wrap both of those up soon. So, I can actually start. A book that makes sense to be reading in October. Like, I just want to read one spooky book. Or even, like, spooky, spooky tangential. You know? So oh, I think, you know what's spooky? What? The Mediator series. I'm not, it's not coming out till 2022. I will read it right before it comes out. I promise. I've made this promise to you so many times, Julia. I promise. I'm going to hold up to you the book that I'm, I'm going to hold up the book that I'm going to start next, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Oh, oh my god. I wouldn't think of that as a Halloween book, but I like it. I support it. Dark Academia fits in spooky season. Okay, that's true. It's, it's a heavy book, but uh, <laughs> I am very glad that you're going to read it. I am excited. I want all of your thoughts. I held up the secret history for those who don't, again, have the video feed. <laughs> uh, the secret I was going to leave it a mystery. <laughs> like, um, I we'll do give also them context have... every episode and maybe they'll figure it out. <laughs> I was going to say, I do also have some thrillers downstairs that I want to read. Like, um, 
Damnation Spring, which was a book of the month book, I think one or two months ago. Looks really interesting. It's about like a logging town in either Washington or Oregon and something goes wrong in the logging town. So I think it's kind of murder mystery-ish. And then uh, a book called 56 Days, which I think is a COVID murder mystery thriller. Oh my God. Um, so I'm terrified of it, but you know what? It's okay to be scared. It's okay. Okay. Probably. And then I also have from the library, it's, it's still on hold, but the, the Chosen and the Beautiful, which I think is also another dark academia. So, yes. slowly taken through my TBR. Very good. And Very quickly good. buying more books to add to it than I will ever be able to take off of it. I'm, my TBR at this point has become an exponential equation. You need a bookshelf. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the other interest. I know I told you this earlier, but for the listeners, I have made progress on getting towards getting a bookshelf. I sent the dimensions of my alcoves where I want things the bookshelf Things are being put built. in place to put things in place. <laughs> I have started the motions of getting the motion started. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I uh, I sent off all of my dimensions and everything of my alcoves to my fake contractor, which is just my cousin who promised to build me some bookshelves. So we'll see when he actually comes down and builds them. He's like debating if he wants to build them in Oregon or build them here, but I think he's going to build them here because I don't measure correctly, apparently. Useless. Absolutely useless. And you know what? If he falls through, I have a coworker who has, um, in in her words, a bunch of lesbian friends who live in the Bay Area who would love to help me build my furniture. <laughs> so now your cousin has competition. <laughs> and I'd much rather support a woman. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but the, the difference is um, I don't have to pay for anything if my cousin does it. He's going to pay for all of it, so it's free to have my cousin do it versus me having to pay someone else for materials and labor. But you're paying a woman. So. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If he can get it done before the end of the year, great. Because I'm, I'm very confident. We will revisit this at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, like, it's unsafe right now in my house with how many books book piles there are scattered like in an earthquake someone uh, will get right. <laughs> yeah um get hurt you know just like our kids they're trying to escape this <laughs> i love this transition okay <laughs> no that was a horrible one but you know what i tried <laughs> um the efforts appreciated yeah you know it's uh well, it, the problem is, it's another generic action chapter. Like, it's it hard is. to kind of equate things to it because it's just, like, everything else we've seen or read or, you know, whatever. So, um, bright side is, we're doing just one chapter this week, so it's might hopefully be a quick episode, though I'm sure we both have a lot of thoughts about this chapter. <laughs> so, a lot happens. Um, we'll be talking about verse 3. Chapter 11, which is the end of verse 3. So we've officially completed three verses of this book. 
and I think there's five. So, um, we're, we're making good progress. We are more than three-fifths of the way done with the book. Yeah. But three out of the five verses, <laughs> which does not equate a correctly presented breakdown. It's fine. Um, Julia, do you want to tell us all about what happens in chapter 11? I do. So... August feels the truck shift onto a smaller road, which culminates in what looks like a fortress rather than a truck stop, outfitted to keep monsters away. The place is called Horizon. The driver honks, and two guys come out with a machete and a gun, letting them in. The driver asks if they have cash, and Kate lies, saying they do, but the truck driver feels bad and gives her the medallion back. How nice of him. August closes his eyes, getting lost in his hungry thoughts, but then Kate pulls him towards the building. Even at 4 a.m., the Horizon is a happening place with a cafeteria, showers, supply stores, etc. August rambles off to the bathroom to get some space, and Kate browses shelves happening upon a watch that shows time, temperature, and coordinates. She pockets the watch because she only has coordinates for where they are going, and then feels a cell phone in August's pocket since she's wearing the jacket his jacket. She turns the phone on to see if they've gotten any messages, but have nothing, have received nothing. She toys with the idea of just staying in the horizon, but then hears her name and sees her face on a TV screen. Flash to August in the bathroom, getting much worse. He's feverish and something worse is coming. When water touches his skin, he steams. He starts to really lose it, thinking random disjointed murdery thoughts. And he can sense where he is in the process of losing it, given he has starved himself before to try and beat the system. A man comes in asking if August is all right, and he just says he's tired of fighting, which the man agrees with. That's so disappointing. Like, that's depressing. I'm just tired of fighting. Aren't we all? Me too. Ugh. Kate's face is on the TV, accompanied with a headline that says she has been abducted and the Flynns are suspected. The news then says that Henry is denying involvement, but a source confirmed a Flynn member was in school with Harker and was seen with her. The anchor also says a Sunai attacked the school and killed three students and a teacher. Someone tells someone else to turn it off, but they can't because it's on every channel. Then the news turns to her father giving a press conference saying he wants her back and the perpetrators punished. Kate texts her father to call, which he does. She snaps at him for saying it was the Flynns, and he figures out she's with August and that Freddy was the third Sunai. Kate refuses to acknowledge one way or the other and asks about Sloan. Her father says he's hunting down the monsters that moved against Harker. This upsets Kate, but Harker says he questioned Sloan himself, and Sloan said he had no hand in the attack, and since he cannot lie, there's no reason to doubt him. He tells her to stay out of the city until he knows it's safe and that she doesn't need to code her messages. A lady tells August to get his head out of the beverage container because he wanted the cold air, and he babbles some nonsense at her. He then smells the scent of an old crime, finding a man who was a sinner and was walking out the door. August tries to follow, but then Kate grabs him, saying they need to leave. He tries to tell her he needs to eat, but she turns turns him towards the televisions and headlines. And then the truck driver who gave them the ride comes in, and they duck, and she tries to get him to run. They go through the back exit, and August is baffled at the news because he didn't abduct her, so he doesn't understand the lies. 
He keeps trying to convince her they need to tell someone the truth, and she tries to keep him moving, because if they talk to anyone, the monsters trying to kill her will find, him, find them. They argue outside, and a trucker walks out to them with a gun, a second trucker behind him. More men start to come out in the back with weapons, and none of them are sinners, so August cannot do anything about it. He still tries to get his violin out to slow them down, but then one of them shoots, and it takes August back to the school shooting. Kate's voice snaps August back to reality, and she yells at the guy who shot the gun. They ask if she's Harker's daughter, and if August is the monster. The guy grabs Kate, and she knees him, but then a woman with a knife gets the knife against Kate's throat. It continues to escalate as if they are not just giving the truth, but feeding off of August's hunger. August then decides to give in to the feeling and pushes those emotions at the people. Kate realizes what he's doing, grabs a knife, and stabs the lady in the thigh. Ackle, uh, Ackle. August tackles the guy with the gun. <laughs> Jensen, Ackles. <laughs> August tackles the guy with the gun. This and does then... feel like an episode of Supernatural, <laughs> to be fair. August tackles the guy with the gun, and then they hear a horn. He grabs Kate, and they run towards the open gate, managing to just get through. They just start walking away holding hands and august feels his fever and pain fade a little they keep running and walking away to make sure they haven't been followed and then sink to the ground it's quiet except for the occasional truck noises but the trucks never veer off the road as dawn comes kate asks august august is oh my gosh august if he is okay and he strangely is starting to finally feel better and less tense he says he's okay which means it is the <laughs> truth <laughs> In her, Chantal wrote the synopsis and it says, it is the Ruth. <laughs> We're going all the way back to our first book. <laughs> Except the Ruth book. is a liar, so that doesn't even make sense. Uh, so he's okay, um, and it's the truth, not the Ruth. Kate pulls her new watch out to guide them, and August asks where they are going. She answers, home. That's the end of verse three. A hmm. lot happens. So much happens. I, this really does, I mean, I know I didn't make a pop culture reference about this because, like, it's too generic, but this whole chapter just feels like a supernatural episode. It really does, though. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kate is Dean. August is Sam. She's like freaking out and getting in his own head. And she's just like, come on. <laughs> so fun. Weird phone calls. Being on the news as fugitives. That's definitely happened. It is. This is supernatural. It's a supernatural fan fiction. It's true. Victoria Schwab, can you confirm or deny you watch Supernatural and are a fan? Though so probably anything paranormal, like, yeah. feels like Supernatural. Yeah. Anything urban and paranormal is, has ties. Yeah. Like, you can't not. <laughs> At least we're not dealing with God being named Chuck in this book. Very true. Very true. Still the weirdest plot. I mean, we, we, we're only on, on this first book, you know? Who knows what happens in the next book? Right, but, like, two books versus, what, 15 seasons of Supernatural? Yeah. I think, I think we're safe. I think we're okay. 
not hey, you never know. Maybe she's going to want to make it into a 15-book series. Maybe it's going to turn into the Moral Instruments where we have 20 different spinoffs. <laughs> I have a feeling if that were to happen with any of her books, it would be uh, the Villains series. Okay. Because those are way more popular than these ones. Because these are her YA. Her adult books are way more popular. Good to know. Yeah. I need to read more of her books. <laughs> you would like <laughs> villains. I think you would like villains. That's, I need to pick that up. I think you've said that a couple times now, and mm-hmm. I just haven't. I've gone, I've seen it in the bookstores all the time, and I'm like, yeah, I should pick that up, and then guess what? I don't. It's paperback. It's cheap. I know. I should. I should. Okay. Next time I go to Barnes & Noble, or a bookstore Just in don't read it while we're still reading this book series, because I having read that book while reading this book it's very confusing okay to keep the plot separate because the worlds are too similar it doesn't yeah it mm -mm, nope um were you so excited that kate got the medallion back i felt such relief i was like i picked a good mvp last episode this trucker i knew that i could trust him he did the right thing. I want to give him a pat on the back. <laughs> He's I like, these he kids kinda... are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically took it as insurance and then was like, you know what? I was going here anyway. Good luck to you. Goodbye. Let's never see each other again. <laughs> Until five pages later. <laughs> well, yeah. But he didn't go after them as far as we know. That's true. So. Seems like a good dude. He's still a good guy. Yep. Yeah. So how'd you feel? I love too. I got so nervous when she pulled out the phone from his pocket and turned it on. Because I was like, what if there is like a GPS tracker somehow in this? And like, somehow Flynn has, uh, or not Flynn, uh, Harker has gotten through and is mm-hmm. tracking it. I don't know how. Which was like, so I have a note about that, like, oh my god, this isn't a good idea, why are you doing this, why are you calling him, I feel like he's gonna be able to track you down. And then literally, like, a few pages later, they're gonna get found out anyway. (laughs) Like, my worry was for not. (laughs) There's different ways to track people down. It doesn't always have to be using technology. It can be using word of mouth. It's a very effective strategy a lot of times. And there's gonna be an army after them. At Horizon, probably. Yeah. I, okay, speaking of Horizon, I had such trouble visualizing this place. Because what's interesting to me is I feel like she spends a lot of time describing places, like describing the Harker household, describing the Flynn household, and like the compound, whatever. And then I feel like with Horizon, she was like, it's a rest stop, there's a cafeteria, there's a gas station, kind of. Um, here she is looking down some aisles for snacks, and, like, that's all we get. And, like, I can see the outside of it, which looks, like, basically, mm-hmm. like, in my mind, an army base. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's all that I visualize from it. Like, is it big? Is it small? Like, I know that there's some trucks parked, I guess, outside. Yeah. I, the way I pictured it was basically if you took a prison slash army base... And just sat it on top of a New Jersey Turnpike rest stop. 
Okay, that's one way of thinking about it. With like all of the different stores and other things going on inside, where it really truly does feel like a mini little town when you go in. Um, But then you take that and then you add bathrooms, like what you have in Europe, you know, bathrooms for civilized people, where you actually have like (laughs) stall space (laughs) and like places to clean off if you need to. Um, So yeah, I would say Swiss. And New Jersey rest stops combined with prisons. Okay, got it. I will visualize that, I guess. <laughs> I Good think luck. I was just disappointed that she, like, didn't go ham on this. Because I think it's so cool. Like, in the middle of nowhere, there's this, like, rest stop. Mm-hmm. Warda- or, like, made to fight off these monsters and, like, people. <laughs> yeah. Um... I was surprised that she just didn't go more into the details of it, I guess. Well, she's fully in action mode right now. Yeah. They could pick it up in the movie script when they actually have to build it. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, what else did I have in here? Um, oh, the headlines, first of all, gave me anxiety. But uh, second of all, oh my god. I am worried because why I get why Harker is doing this like basically pinning it on the Flynn family but like I also Mm -hmm. don't get why because like I feel like he still wants peace and the minute that you say the Flynn Flynn family is suspected (laughs) um you are opening that up to war again um so that seemed like a very strange move to me. So I want to dissect it a little bit because what's interesting is the news lady basically says a source close to the matter says that there was a Flynn at the school um, and that that's who she was last seen with. Cough, slow and cough. Right. So Harker is not necessarily the one who talked to the press he didn't deny that that's what he might have been thinking to kate but when he's actually talking to the press he says whoever the perpetrator may be i want them brought to justice and i will kill them myself basically like he's not the one that says all of that stuff that is on the news it just said a source close to the matter um so it'll be interesting to figure out who that source actually is and where all of this information is coming from because it may not necessarily be harker and also who would have seen her with august true is it just someone who knows that they left together because then the only person who knows that they left together leo or ilsa or one of Sloane's monsters if they saw them. I know. didn't think about Ilsa. That's interesting. I Not that I don't think it is Ilsa, but like, but like, yeah, yeah. Where did they? But, where did she go after all of that happened at the the motel? Mm-hmm. Is she captured? Is she being tortured? She has to tell the truth. So if they torture the truth out of her, but Leo also we think still has motive, right? So could he just be spreading this stuff to hasten the war? Hmm. That is true. And as we know from her brief, com- Kate's brief conversation with her father, Sloane is claiming he had no hand in the attack, which he could have easily, you know, just said some 
words that make it sound like he had no hand in the attack. Mm-hmm. But, like, if... Okay, I'm still saying that he and Leo are up to something together. In which case, maybe Leo is the one doing the action and Sloane is the one kind of in the background, like, directing things. Mm-hmm. In which case, he could say he had no literal hand in the attack because it was Leo. Right. Um, and so I think that's what... Well, even if Sloane sent the Malkai there... He was not there. He was not at the school. Yeah. Otherwise, Kate or August would have seen him. They both know who he is. So That's true. he wasn't there. And if you're taking that literal interpretation of him saying, I had no hand in the attack, mm-hmm. that means his physical hand was not at the school, was not engaged in mm-hmm. the attack. And Parker is interpreting, <laughs> like he's interpreting <laughs> this whole thing as figuratively, Sloan had no hand in the, ta- in the attack. He wasn't involved in it in any way. He's not orchestrating or masterminding this particular attack. That's how he's interpreting and hearing it, because he's a dumbass right now. Um, but Sloan could literally just mean, I was not there at the attack. And that's the truth, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And Harker's making assumptions about what the rest of the story is, because he trusts Sloan, not his daughter. Yeah. Um, and also about these coded messages that he talks about. Okay, my understanding with the coded messages is that they made it for situations like this, right? Where mm-hmm. they're like, they don't really trust other sources, like maybe someone's hacking into this, their phones or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't code the messages. Like, isn't this the time to code the messages? Because you don't really know what's going on. His phone, he thinks, is secure. And he's not texting okay. her, right? He just called. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's dumb. They're, he's being so dumb. He's supposed to that's be this really I'm smart like... dude, and he's just being so dumb and blind to everything that's going on around him. And to be fair, like, we have more information than he does at this moment. Like, you're asking a lot of a white man in power to, like, (laughs) decide to not trust people that they've trusted for a really long time, they can be pretty reticent to change. (laughs) And, like, then you're asking them to trust the advice and direction of a teenage girl? It's a big stretch for Harker's little brain, but he's being extra dumb in these chapters, in this chapter. It's, like, so frustrating. Harker... Also, like, I don't know if you asked yourself this question, but, and I don't remember the answer, but, like, I'm so curious how Harker got the information about August being Freddie Gallagher. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Hold on a minute. And then if we just, if it's Sloane saying, I did some sleuthing. I did some sleuthing, Mr. Harker, sir, and um, there's this boy, Freddie Gallagher, and he's also disappeared, and he was new to school this year, and he had a funky picture, and um, his, his real name is August Flynn. The only way Sloan would get that information would be from Leo. If they had that information all of this time, Flynn never would have sent August in. Ever. Well, they have the ally, too, that, that August uses, right, to get into... Um... Paris, yeah. School, yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, I feel like. But I don't know that she knows everything about him. She's just like true, low level to like get in and out. Um, so it's it's sketchy. And then of course Harker's not asking the questions. Like let's say Sloane did bring him all this information, and he's like, "This is who may have taken Kate, or who may be with Kate." Why is Harker not questioning why that information wasn't brought to him sooner about who the third Sunai was? Why is it only being made available to him now when this third Sunai has been around for years? Mm-hmm. And they've been trying to find the identity for so long. And all of a sudden yeah. now they magically have it when Kate gets taken? Mm-hmm. Sketchy. Just saying. Leo, what are you up to? Also very frustrated with the news for just, like, publishing conjecture. I, it makes me so anxious, because, like, it's like any news source which jumps onto news, which happens so often now with social media, where they hear about it, like, on Twitter or something, they decide they're going to make it into a headline, and they don't have the full details yet. It's the worst when it is an emergency situation mm-hmm. where they don't have the details, but they're going off of people's speculation. And, like, mm-hmm. if you get those details wrong, like, I think for the most part, the bigger news sources, with the exception of a certain F news source, <laughs> um, tend to be good at vetting what yeah. the information that comes to them. But the other news sources aren't, and then you, like, fearmonger and you mm-hmm. blame people and like right it, i'm thinking about that like um I'm, i don't remember what the the situation was it was made into a movie i never saw the movie i think olivia wilde was in it and it's about a bombing that happens at an event and this guy the security guard um is able to save all these people um and so at first the news sources are like oh this guy is a hero he saved all these people during this bombing and mm-hmm. then they turn around and they're like, wait, how did he save all these people? Like, he was, like, ahead of the curve. Maybe he's the bomber. He made this up to make himself look good, but he was never the bomber. So this guy was, like, ridiculed in the news because people speculated and you put all of this out there and then he he turns into this villain who's not actually a villain. Right. It's like that situation where, like... It makes me so angry, and I think it's becoming worse with social media. Anyway, this is a rant about, (laughs) like, vet your news sources. Well, and that's, right, like, you're right now having speculation as to why Kate has been taken, fed from supposedly Kate's camp, or side of the story, and you have nothing other than, well, Henry Flynn denies this, but here's all this other information that we know, and it's like, well... Who's your source that someone saw Kate, right? Like, you don't have to reveal a specific name, but is it, like, someone that was at the school late also that managed to escape? Was it the pharmacist? But, like, who is Mm -hmm. this source that you're saying saw these two individuals together? Because... It's tricky because sometimes you don't want to reveal the source, right? Like, there are situations where you need to keep the source anonymous, but then, like, if you're doing something major like this, which is, like, blaming someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and if the really source is, the if the source is a monster, how much trust yeah. should you actually be putting in that monster? Um, yeah. And, like, yeah, I don't think you want to necessarily reveal names of witnesses. 
but you can reveal basic things. It's like someone in the car mm-hmm. with, you know, what, like, if I think of, like, The Hate You Give, because we just finished reading that recently. It's like, unnamed witness who was there with the shooting. It's like, well, you can say, was in the car with the individual that mm-hmm. was shot. That, that doesn't reveal anything about the identity of the A teenage witness in the car with the person who got shot. Like, that's all you have to say um, to lend some sort of, like, credibility or lack thereof to provide some context as to the story that you're publishing. But, I mean, I have a lot of pop culture references. I'm going to dive into this a lot more when we do (laughs) pop culture. I have many thoughts about media literacy. Um, I did want to say, like, before we go on too far into the rest of the uh, chapter... The scene with August in the bathroom just ugh, kills me. Like, obviously, I can't I can't relate to every part of the feeling that he's going through because there's I've never been in a situation like what he's dealing with. But the way Schwab writes the paragraphs surrounding his like meltdown in the bathroom is just brings out all of my empathy. Like, I'm just a hardcore empathizing throughout all of those passages yeah. with him dealing with all of his pain because he's going through so much pain and fighting it and fighting it and fighting it and trying to put up this, like, wall of willpower, but he's still going to slip no matter how, how much willpower he applies because his body just will, like, not last. And it's just heartbreaking that it's, like, no matter how hard you try – in certain situations, you're not going to necessarily succeed. And that... Well, and, like, what's interesting to you, sorry to jump to the end of the chapter, but, like, how... I, like, obviously I have no experience being an addict, but it reminds me, I think, a lot of, like, the, the books with experiences of addicts I've read where, like, you have to reach this point where you, like, have a breakthrough and you don't have that need anymore where you're, like, mm-hmm. basically, like, having to, like, splash cold water on your face to, like, bring yourself out of it. And at the end of the chapter, August has that kind of breakthrough. I don't trust the breakthrough. I don't know what's going on with this. Um, why he suddenly doesn't feel like he needs this, the hunger is gone. But mm-hmm. that's the vibe that I got from it. It's tough. It's very tough. I will say, though, that if holding Kate's hand helps his anger fade <laughs> and his hunger fade, that's that's adorable. Maybe love fills up the hunger in him. <laughs> well, that's like, I again, I know this is like kind of talking about the end of the chapter, um, but it's the whole end with like the dawn coming and like him, I'm finally feeling okay. Like the plot felt more so than normal. So ya and like how it was all being described like august magically starts to feel better because of the new friendship and love in his life which is just unrealistic to like their particular situation and it's like then of course of course he starts to feel better right as dawn breaks which you know a new day is starting it's very poetic but in terms of, like, depth of plot and, like, character development, it felt to me like it was taking a step back. It was kind of banal. I was, like, expecting more out of it, and it's because we get all this build-up, and then it's just like, I feel better. And I'm like, I wanted more than that. Come on. What the hell? I know. But it was also so cute where he's, like, she tells him about the headlines and he sees the headlines and he's just like, but 
but that's not true. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. He's like this sheltered puppy. He's like, I didn't do that. He's like, can we talk to like, somebody well, about this? And I'm like, oh, poor naive baby August. Babbling the truth. Like, the media don't care about the truth in this situation. They care about what's going to have the most impact. And also, like, there's not anyone that you guys can tell that's going to make them believe the truth. (laughs) You're just going to get actually kidnapped. Like, come on, kiddo. August. Um, the fight sequence was interesting um i like was fully waiting for i know so i know that august feeds off of sinners and like he made it clear that there were no sinners in this group that came out to fight them but i was still waiting for him to like start playing the violin i know he was a bit shocked because of the the gun but i was like isn't this the way out like play the violin lull them into the sense of safety get away Right. That was the equation in my head, and that's not how it happens <laughs> at all. <laughs> they went full on like action mode. Yeah, full on brawl. Them. I was surprised yeah. by August. I was proud of August, but I was surprised. <laughs> well, he did get into a fight with that other guy oh, in the basement. Right. Yeah. So that he's been true. he's been throwing punches <laughs> already. It. And Kate's just, like, out here stabbing people in the thigh. Like, oh, my I love, God. Well, first of all, she had, like, a whole, like, cry. She was like, I'll take the bitch with the knife. Like, yeah, you will. <laughs> I love it. God, I love her. She's the best. She's great. Um, man, I... <laughs> They can't, they are having way too many close moments, so, like, at some point, I'm just waiting for them to run out of luck, because, like, at this point, they're running off of luck. Like, mm-hmm. it's luck that they got out of that motel. Well, first of all, it's luck that they got away in the first place, luck that they got out of the motel because of Ilsa, luck that they got picked up by that driver, luck that they got out of Horizon, and now they're in the middle of, like, a wasteland. How right. on earth are they going to get safely to this quote-unquote home? <laughs> With the little, the, the little watch. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I love that. It's, uh, yeah, we're kind of just jumping from action sequence to action sequence without a lot of thought as to, like, whether or not the people that we're on the journey with are skilled enough to actually have these situations. And so it's, it's a little yeah. frustrating to, like, go through all of these action sequences and not have them be skilled act like to actually handle everything they're just kind of like flubbing around and (laughs) somehow still surviving um so it'd be nice to see a little bit more like forethought into the decisions that they're making i don't know if we're necessarily gonna get that because they're 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 both very smart idiots um but it, it would be nice yeah because I think that would add more depth to the action sequences rather than them just being, like, generic. It's like if we actually had the characters have skill rather than, to your point, like, what feels like luck that they're surviving. It's just, like, every Fast and Furious movie ever. Like, do they have skill or are they just very lucky that they managed to survive when their car flips 9,000 times? 
Yep. <laughs> I've never exactly. actually seen a full Fast and Furious movie. That's just what oh, I, I assume either. that they're out I must about. Say, that's what I assume as well. <laughs> From the trailers, that's what it looks like. It just looks like flipping cars and The Rock being strong. Like, that's all you got. And it's about family. <laughs> Thank that's you, Vin Diesel. Thank you. <laughs> Did you have anything else for general? Ah, uh, just them holding hands. Okay, here's something that I do want to ask. In runaway sequences, why on earth do they always hold hands? Like, it's cute, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to be honest. If I'm running away from something, yeah, I'm going to be worried about the person that I'm with. But the last thing that I'm going to do is hold on to someone's hand. <laughs> like, I need my full balance. I need to pump my arm so I can get the momentum going right having someone on my hand is not gonna help me i think it's for them because it's still it's been dark every time that they've been running that it's like a hey i'm also here we're gonna stumble through the dark together and if you trip i'll catch you i guess so i yeah but still like it made sense when they were running through the subway tunnel i thought um like from the core side but also, they just want to hold hands, Julianne. But they're not even they're... just holding hands. They are, quote, tangled together. Which... <laughs> Duh! Okay, interesting way of putting the hand-holding. Well, maybe their fingers are interlaced. Yes, do you know when you interlace your fingers? It's an intimate moment. Not when you're running away from a compound. <laughs> I mean, it's harder to break out of interlocked fingers than it is to break out of just holding hands. That is true, especially if they are sweating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Making this so romantic. Oh, <laughs> um, I did not have anything else, though. This It got very white. I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but it did get very white at the end with the uh, hand holding. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my favorite hunger. parts... My favorite parts of this book are the parts of the book that don't have that many action sequences. So, like, I do really well in the first half of the book, and then the second half of the book, I'm like, yeah, okay. I think that Victoria Schwab's weakness is action sequences, like like you said last time. Like, it's just, it's not her forte at all. It's just generic. I'm bored. It is pretty generic. It's fine, though. Um, mm, Sorry, I'm getting a text message from Whole Foods. Very important. Oh, very important. <gasps> My food's being delivered soon. <laughs> um, Exciting. Pop culture? Pop culture. What do you got for me? I think I have, let's see, one, two, three pop culture references. Okay. Okay. First two are just about the headlines that pop up that mm-hmm. Kate sees and eventually August sees as well. Um the first one that I have is currently being blocked in my notes. Hold on. Why can't I see it? Here it is. Uh, is oh, um, Legend by Mary Lou, which I have made reference to many times. There's just a lot of similarities between the two books. Um, it kind of just generally, the whole, like, can't really trust the headlines, can't trust the people that are feeding you the information remind me a lot of legend because it's the same thing that happens to um god i always forget their names it's like day and i cannot remember the female protagonist's name um but basically the female protagonist like 
is being fed these things and then is mm-hmm. like seeing these things like headlines and stuff as well turns out it's all wrong it's not real like they're just making it sound more urgent and covering up a lot of things mm-hmm. very similar if anyone's listening to this read legend by murray lou because it is a very good series and also very similar <laughs> to this book um just with less monster elements uh and then the other one that i had also similar was um six of crows <laughs> wylan i was just thinking about how how his face was plastered all over ketterdam mm-hmm. his father was uh searching for him but not really searching for him he was making it look like he was searching for him. Um, and if people had recognized Wyland, he was not going to be really going back to a, a safe place. He was probably going to be killed. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's a spoiler for Six of Crows. <laughs> Just a little um, bit. That's, a yeah. little bit. Uh, and then the other one was one which is we've kind of talked about it before, where he's talking about Sloan and... Harker's talking about Sloane, and he mm-hmm. can't lie, and probably Sloane was, like, talking around his lie, rather than mm-hmm. saying it, because he can't. It was just going back to the whole Cruel Prince and how the Fae don't lie, but they find ways around lying uh, and twisting true. words. Yep, no, that's yeah. so true. Um, I have a question for you, because I think I'm misremembering. But wasn't there a whole element of, like, misreporting in the media of, like, her parents' death in Vampire Academy? Oh, there's a lot of lying going on in Vampire Academy. That is true, yes. You talking about legend triggered that for me. I was like, that feels something similar to what's going on in Vampire Academy, but I don't remember the details. Yeah, that does happen in Vampire Academy. Um, and they do a lot of covering up and, like, mm-hmm. um, blaming, like, when someone dies, they blame something else, but it turns out it's something different. Yeah, that's pretty similar, too. Good one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so those were the three? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was just thinking about, like, the sort of iconic visualness of having, like, the barbed wire... And the floodlights. Mm. <laughs> and, like, the locking everything in, but also keeping everything out kind of a vibe. Um, just very iconic. It reminded me of Thor in the first Thor movie when he has to, like, break into the shield, like, perimeter that they've set up to try to get Mjolnir back. Um, but then he actually gets to Mjolnir and, like, he's... Odin doesn't consider him worthy, so, like, he can't pick the hammer up, and it's just stuck, and he gets tackled by a bunch of agents. Oh, so funny. Um, anyway, so, like, reminded (laughs) me of that. Reminded me of WandaVision, when you see, like, outside the hex, on the perimeter of Westview, like, all of the floodlights and wire and trucks and everything, like, tanks that have been set up to sort of, like, monitor what's going on inside the hex, inside of Westview with what Wanda's doing. Um, and then I don't know why, but, like, something visually just, like, clicked for me. It reminded me a lot of the mental hospital in Sorcery of Thorns. Hmm. Where she gets trapped, um, and has to, like, escape and, like, get out through the barbed wire and, like, get out through the fence and find a secret, secret way out. Um, and then, 
I don't, this actually kind of reminds me of Zodiac Academy, too. I'm sorry. There's a big prison with, like, all of the fenced wire and everything and the lights. So it reminded me of the Darkmoor Penitentiary, which was introduced in the fifth book. Sorry. I love that you're comparing this to, like, prisons and stuff. That's how the vibe felt to me with, like, the floodlights and the barbed wire. That reminds me of a prison. I don't know. I just viewed it, I guess, more as, like, an army kind of base. Um, or Only like, that different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Again, one's meant to keep something out, one's meant to keep something in, but when I pictured it, I pictured it kind of as both. Hmm. I don't know. Mainly because it was hard for the kids to get out, so... They were barely able to get out. So they could have almost been trapped in there. They would have been, like, trapped in there. Um, anyways, that's enough about the location. <laughs> that's Four pop culture references, for one thing, is enough. Uh, the coordinates, where she's like, I know the coordinates, but I don't quite know how to get there. <laughs> so she gets this, like, little watch to help her, like, track the latitude and longitude. Just reminded me of Percy Jackson, I think, in the Sea of Monsters, when he gets into the water and someone, like, gives him numbers, and he's like, ah, that's latitude and longitude. Poseidon will help me get there, and he just, like, automatically knows where to go in the water to get to the right latitude and longitude in the <laughs> middle of the ocean. Because you don't, I mean, you don't often see people, um like, figuring out directions mm-hmm. based on latitude and longitude. It's normally based off yeah. roads. So that just reminded me a lot of Percy Jackson, because there are no roads in the ocean. So it makes sense that that's how he needs to travel. Um, I was wishing that there would be more spectacle with her theft of the watch. She just kind of stares at it and then drops it in her pocket, which is so boring. Like, I was reading, um, or as you know, I'm reading Dance of Thieves, and the main girl, Kazi, uh, short for Kazimira, um, is a thief, hence Dance of Thieves. Book title makes sense. Uh, she's one of the thieves. (laughs) But she always does, like, all of the spectacle. So, like, to be able to steal food, she learned how to juggle. She learned how to, like, tell jokes and, like, distract people and do all of this stuff so that they didn't notice when she was filching things. And I kind of wanted a little bit of that, like, flair in this particular theft. And I was a little disappointed that I didn't get any of it. Aladdin's another good example. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't have, like, cameras or something to, like, check for theft, but... Well, maybe, who knows, maybe it'll come back. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> For a $5 watch. True. Um, I, I was waiting when they, when Kate was like, my face, I heard my name and my face popped up on the news. I was so ready for someone to immediately notice her, like look at the TV and then notice her. Cause that whole scene is so, again, it's in like everything when you have someone that's on the run. Or as, like, a fugitive yeah. where, th- like, the second they're trying to buy something in a gas station, their mugshot appears on the screen and then they're just, like, trying to hide behind a hat or something. I'm pretty sure that happens in Captain America Civil War where they're, like, on the run from the government because of the uh, Sokovia Accords. And then someone's like, you're Captain America! And he's like, no, I'm not. Nope, not. Nope. <laughs> um, and then what you were talking about with, like, Wyland's face being plastered everywhere, but it not actually, not actually being able to find him because they weren't trying that hard. That reminds me of Tangled when 
Flynn Rider or Eugene's face is plastered no. over, but his nose is yeah. off, so no one would be able to recognize him. He's like, I don't look like that. <laughs> that is funny. And then uh, Aragon, when he goes on the run and Galbatorix knows that he's on the run and is looking for him, his face is plastered in, like, every town, so him and Brom have to, and, um... Murtog have to be, like, very careful about, like, how they navigate because their faces, like, plastered on notices everywhere. And then it also happens in Veronica Mars when Duncan Kane goes on the run to Mexico. And the cops actually get very close to where he is in Mexico, but he's put on, like, a disguise. So when the cop, like, shows his picture to try to find him, the guy's like, yeah, no, I haven't seen anyone that looks like that because Duncan's wearing a fake beard and a wig. <laughs> and so the guy goes <laughs> Fun times. Yep. Uh, and then going back to the falsehoods being spread in the media based on one source or speculation is a trope that happens a lot in both YA and mm-hmm. adult, I feel like. But sort yeah. of like the media, the manipulation of media is definitely something that we see in a lot of stuff. Um, so Zodiac Academy is actually a really good example of this happening a lot um, because there's this one newspaper called the Solarian Times, I think, in the books that is always printing stuff that is in support of um, these, like, group of four boys and, like, never in support of the two heirs to the throne because they want the four boys to inherit the throne in some capacity. And so they're always printing, like, stuff about how great and amazing and lovely those guys are based on interviews from them. And then they'll do, like, pick and choose interviews with kids at the school who already don't like the girls and then print all of this random shit about them that like they talk to ravens and are mad or are sex addicts and like all of this stuff to try to discredit them but they're not actually talking to the girls who supposedly are afflicted with these things um so having that sort of like one-sided narrative where like the flins aren't really asked anything about this at all to confirm or deny and it's just the narrative being fed by Harker was really reminiscent of that uh it's a little bit more lighthearted in Zodiac Academy than it is here um but you know the girls have to like go out and like print things in other papers to try to like contradict the images that's being that are being spread about them which is a lot like book five of Harry Potter because the ministry has printed a bunch of shit about Harry Potter based on what Cornelius Fudge says True. in the Daily Prophet. I just watched that last night. And Harry me. has to give the interview with Rita Skeeter for mm-hmm. the Quibbler to be like, Voldemort is real. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> um, but it's also really reminiscent of the Daily Prophet in Book 7, right? Like, Voldemort just controls it. He can print whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And, like, no one is fact-checking or spot-checking anything he says. And then I just wanted to off the back of that throw out again my one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands harry and the potters um it's a song from their album lumos called on the importance of media literacy under authoritarian rule and yes that is the full name of the song Oh my god, yes. And it's all about how the Daily Prophet couldn't be trusted because it was, un- like, the, the ministry was under authoritarian rule, Voldemort, um, and so you couldn't trust the words that were coming out of the media. And Harker has authoritarian rule over the media in V-City, and so you shouldn't trust anything coming out of the media in V-City. Everyone should listen to that song. Lumos is a great album. Julie and I have seen it performed live. This is true. 
Um, okay. I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm misremembering something, but something about, like, August's naivety, naivete, sorry, um, about, like, wanting to change the perspective in the media, and he's like, if we could just tell them the truth and, like, get the right person to listen to us, everything would be fine. Um, reminds me of two things. The first one is Ace of Spades, which is a black horror novel. So good. It's a YA novel. It's amazing. Everyone should read it, though. It's really dark and really fucked up, so be prepared for that. I can't give too much else information, like, too much more information without spoiling it because it's, like, a thriller horror I don't want to. Um, but there is this whole scene where they're, like, we just, we're gonna go trust this one media source and give them all of the information and, like, that will fix our problems. So they try that. That's all I'm gonna say. Reminds me a lot of Ace of Spades. <laughs> um, but also reminds me of season one of Outer Banks, where they're like, if we just tell the right people that Sarah's dad is insane and that Rafe is a murderer, it's all going to be okay. Um, and uh, it nope. was not. <laughs> it did not work out for them that way. So, like, thank God Kate just shuts it down. She's like, no, we're not trying to talk to anybody because it never turns out well for people in other pop culture stories that do that. And then another classic action sequence. I'm sorry, I had so many pop culture references for this chapter. Um, another classic action sequence, like either sliding under a closing gate or like jumping through a closing gate at the last minute. Uh, very, very classic action sequence. Reminded me a lot of Star Wars. Like getting under the closing doors. Mm-hmm. Um, totally spies. <laughs> they definitely did that and totally suffice. Black Widow. Um, those are just some of the ones that came to the top of my head, but like yeah. Great action sequence. I love watching people slide under doors or like just get like sneak through a gate at the last minute. I'm sure there are some book ones where I've seen people like get through actual gates at the last minute. I feel like it happens in Mulan. I feel like it happens in uh the prequel series to Dance of Thieves. Um, the Remnant Chronicles, but I just don't remember the specifics, so. Uh, yep, and then the last one, and this one hopefully will resonate with you, but all of the sort of, like, frantic running through the woods and the plains, and then, like, wandering to try and find a home that's in the middle of nowhere, very Adam and Juliet, a la Shatter Me. It's true, Yeah. Which I told you we were getting to a part of this book that was going to feel very shatter me. And, like, it's starting. That is true. Except that, thankfully, August is more of a backbone than uh, Adam Tat. This is true. And also, thankfully, Kate is not secretly in love with someone else that's going to make August flip the fuck out. True. Very True. Unless she's secretly in love with Leo, but that would be a shock. Please, no. (laughs) I will stop reading. And I don't think August has another half-brother that we need to worry about. No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyways, uh, that's it. (laughs) That's the end of my laundry list of fuck culture references. 
I love it. I love it every single time. I don't know how your mind works, but it's so good. <laughs> and, you know, I, had, I actually had a pretty good mix of books in here this time. I feel like a lot of times with this book, I've been leaning a lot. I've been leaning really heavily on movies, and it's been hard for me to think of books that it ties to because I just don't read a lot of books that have, like, action-y sequences. Like, you should read Legend by Mario. <laughs> Do you know how many other books I have to get through, Julia? I have so I know, many I know. YA books <laughs> to get through. I I will say I'll do a Divergent reread with you. but Yes, I'm so excited for that. I don't, we'll do that for the pod, but I don't, uh, I don't anticipate starting another dystopian style YA story anytime soon. Unfortunately. But Marie Lou is on my list. I have, I think I own Sky Hunter by her, so I'm, I may read that at some point. Um, we shall see. Okay. What about your... No, we're going to do MVPs. MVPs come MVPs. first. Who is your MVP for this chapter, Julia? I want to give it to Kate. Because of that one line that she says... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, when they're, we're, they're, they're being confronted by all of the people, and she goes, I'll take the bitch with the knife. I just love that one scene, because I want that confidence. I want to be able to scream that as somebody who literally has a knife at my throat <laughs> and stab the switchblade into this woman's thigh. <laughs> like, while she is patched up with all of these stomach wounds, right? Probably enough severe pain still, by the way, because we are not reminded of that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for that move alone, I'm giving her the MVP. and Well, the move and... The uh, declaration just before she does that. <laughs> to let August know, this is happening now. Yeah. Um, I still don't want to give it to August. I'm, like, not quite there with him yet. He did a lot better in this chapter. Um, you know, like, he was trying his hardest to, like, push down his feelings yeah. He was trying to articulate his needs, which was big for him, where he was like, no, I need food. (laughs) And she just completely ignored everything that he was trying to say. Um, But I just, he doesn't do anything in this chapter that warrants being the most valuable in the books. Like, he's still, unfortunately, even though his characterization is really interesting and it's like, I love reading about him. He's not most valuable anything. He's a liability still at this point. Um, So, weirdly enough, I'm not going to give it to the truck driver for giving the thing back because that was such a, it was a very minor part of the chapter and, like, I think we kind of knew something like that was coming anyways. So, it's, like, good resolution to the last chapter but not super necessary one way or the other. But I would like to actually give it to the guy August met in the bathroom who noticed that this random kid was struggling and he's like, are you okay? (laughs) Just like a small moment of kindness and August's like, I'm tired of fighting. And the guy's like, aren't we all? You know, just like acknowledging that his pain is real, acknowledging that his (laughs) struggle is real. And sometimes that's what teenagers need. It's just the acknowledgement. And the validation that their feelings are real. So Except that August is a very different struggle from what this guy is referring to, probably. Yeah, but you know what? Bathroom guy is my pick. 
I I like it. I I like it. I think it's fair. You know me. I always like to pick really random people or things when I can. Yeah, I took I did the truck truck driver last time. So yeah, it was the only time this entire book you haven't done a named character. <laughs> talking about his name is truck driver couple t couple d <laughs> not to be confused with the four other truck drivers who were stabby no. and shooty no. <laughs> their names are stabby one stabby two shooty one shooty two obviously <laughs> like in the credit scenes of a movie gun wielder one knife wielder two <laughs> gas station villain number one <laughs> Rest up, villain number two. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Julie, what about your wine rating? Okay, I would compare this to a slightly above average Yarra Valley Pinot Noir from Australia. Um, kind of sticks around you a bit, makes sure you feel a little bit, it makes you feel a little bit nervous because you're not quite sure what's going on when you drink it. Full of darker, darker and spicier flavors. Not whole, but not a whole lot of fruit coming through. Like there, it probably could be a little bit better, right? Like there, you get a lot of stuff going on, but at the end of the day, it's just dark. Like August and Kate probably should have spent a little more time thinking about what they were doing in a public space, in the same way that maybe this wine probably could have uh, taken a little bit more time to uh, develop on the mm-hmm. palate. So I would say it's an eight out of ten. It could have been a nine out of ten if there was just like a little bit more going on also a little bit more thought and follow through in anything that was happening (laughs) yeah that makes sense but at least kate grabbed the watch that was smart of her so she's holding up the chapter (laughs) yeah how about your whining rating I'm going to go on the lower end this week. I mean, I think, obviously, August is still struggling, um, and he's very angsty and like, his struggles, but it's gotten past the point of him being like, woe is me, I'm hungry, to, like, you can seriously, seriously see him, like, losing his mind, and he's doing his best to just, like, push it down, acknowledge it, but also, like, move on and just, like, move through it, so it doesn't feel as angsty as it did in like the last chapters um kate again is a robot and has no feeling (laughs) so we never have to worry about too much angst coming from her she's just like move move we're going here we're going there i'm stealing this action let's go um so i'm gonna go four out of ten this week so a little bit on the lower end but Hmm. obviously august is still he still got angst, and he still got a lot of feelings that he needs to sort through, but he's doing better at processing them, I think, this week. Um, plus, he finally starts feeling better, so, like, that's a positive, and he's very hopeful and optimistic about that, so it wipes away some of the score otherwise. Okay. Yep. And that brings us to the end of this week's... Chapter 11, verse podcast. 3... I'm excited to read verse four. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to get to home, wherever that may be. I know. Me too. Where What's at the end of these coordinates? It will be interesting to see. Watch it be like a whole underground society run by a guy named Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I Just would kidding. love that. I would love cro- the crossover. Crossover Shatter episode. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Um, that's not it, but that would be really funny. <laughs> I would love it. Um... But thanks, everyone. I will write the fan fiction for it. 
How many fan fictions have we come up with out of this book? So many. Too I need many. to I need to finish my Princess Diaries fanfic first before I can commit to any other fanfics. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, if you want to chat with us on social media, you can. We're there. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod, and you can follow us on Twitter at Unangst Pod. And you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And we will respond because we, we have nothing better to do. And we want to talk to all of you. Um, so feel free to message us. <laughs> Let us know you're listening. Please. Uh, I'm being a little bit melodramatic. You can ignore me. Um, but that's, uh, yeah. We, we will... Talk to you all next week as we dive into verse four, verse four of this savage song. I feel like this book is just flying by. It's crazy how quick it's going. Um, But you know what? That means it's interesting. So that's a positive. Um, And yeah, we will talk to you all soon. Enjoy your week. 